Welcome one and all to Influence Music Podcast. We explore new music and making connections back to previous musical generations via panel debates, uh, conversations and interviews with artists, enthusiasts and media insiders. Welcome one and all to Influence Music Podcast, episode 8. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, following on from our Guilty Pleasures episode, we've decided to do an episode uh, It's a little bit more serious but a le- less intense um, we're going to go through all our previous episodes, uh, all the content on our blog and anything that we see coming up and just some general chit-chat and information. Um, we generally try to stick to a topic. Today is a bit more free-flowing uh, and off the cuff, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, I am joined by my regular co-host, Lee, the new beatmaker. Uh, Lee, how are you today? I'm good. Um, thank you very much. To anyone that's listened to episode uh, seven, we will guilty pleasures. We will be uh, revisiting that because we did the episode blind, so we hadn't seen each other's playlists. Um, but subsequently, I've listened to all their selections, and there's definitely some of them that are pleasures, but there's a lot of them they should feel guilty about. <laughs> so um, when my other co-host, Mark Anthony, Mark, hope you're good, mate. When he's available, um, I'll be all over the pair of them. So I suppose we'll talk through the seven episodes that we've done so far, from one to seven, um, just to get you familiar with them. We've hoped you'd enjoyed them. We've enjoyed doing them. Uh, and then we're going to go through all that content on our blog, the music reviews we've done, things coming up, and just uh, a few bits and pieces that me and Lee just wanted to chat about. Starting with the episodes, our very first episode, two months ago now, it's gone so quickly, uh, episode one was our favourite current UK artist. It is our most listened to episode to date, so thank you to all the listeners that have listened to it. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I've seen Green Tea Ping absolutely everywhere on everybody's music. Nice. In fact, uh, on this week's recommended playlist, which is available on iTunes and Spotify, so just hit us up for that, um, there is a new uh, Green Team playing track with Soulboy, I think it is, which is kind of a dub orientated track that I'm really into. It. We've also been in contact with uh, Lee's pick uh, that was Chinatown Slalom. Yes, yes, they, they seem very appreciative of us taking the time to, to really um, enthuse, um, which is always nice for someone to, to appreciate how you appreciate that. Then we went with a little bit of a divert because our second episode was an interview with Ella M a very talented singer-songwriter uh, that's from the UK but based out in the States. Um, but because of all the social activity that was going on at the time, Ella talked a little bit about the political situation and the Black Lives Matter movement. Although we think it's a really important cause, um, it, we were also aware that it can be very sensitive to people and we kind of really wanted to try and keep it to music. Um, but props go out to Ella, she wanted to talk about it and um, I think she came across really, really well. And I'd like to get her back on the show at one point so we could talk more about her music, her forthcoming album, and the projects that she's doing, uh, because I don't think we gave her enough uh, scope on that sense of things. But I also think it was the right decision to have the conversation that we had. The next episode after that was the our favourite 80s music producer. Uh, we had a little bit of debate about that. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was absolutely gassed when I got uh, hit up on Instagram by uh, by Jam and Lewis. Like literally, rung my mum up, mum, mum. You never guess what just happened. <laughs> um, it was a great episode. Uh, I think it was always going to be a win because we were talking about such iconic producers. Uh, their music will last generations and generations to come. And whether you've heard their music before, you definitely know their music through other artists or samples or familiar uh, sounds that, that, that's just around you all the time. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that actually was one of my favourite episodes to do. I was able to kind of have a little bit of banter with the other guys um, and talk about uh, music from another generation rather than the music that I grew up to. Because bear in mind, although they were 80s producers and I'm an 80s kid, um, you know, I didn't really get into my own personal music taste into the 90s. Episode 4 was the rap album that influenced us the most. Wow, I, I really enjoyed that episode because Mark Anthony, big shout out to you. His pick was kind of out there and I didn't see it coming. Uh, he picked uh, Diggable Planets Reaching. It, it allowed me to go back to the album and my appreciation for it now is so much more than it was when it came out. I, mean, I, I, I didn't give it the grace it deserved without any calls. However, however, um, it also kind of feeds into my personal music taste. It is essentially a jazz album with hip hop on it. That's the way I would put it. Um, and going forward, uh, you'll see that reference come a lot. Uh, we're going to have an episode of a kind of jazz timeline starting from the kind of 80s Sade era right through to how jazz is influencing um, hip hop today in terms of uh, those really predominant jazz producers, organisers. Uh, such as Terrace Martin or um, Robert Glasper that are really kind of out there doing their thing. So it all comes together. I mean, I'm going a little bit off track here, but again, the last couple of years, that first Masego album just blew my mind. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But here's a guy who's, who's a jazz musician, effectively. Um, so, I mean, it's always the centrepiece of, of my taste. It always kind of comes full circle back, back to that. Uh, and then... Uh, the other thing I really liked about that episode, going back, sorry I do apologise, was the fact that Lee picked an album that was an instrumental album. So that Jay Dilla album, Jay Dilla's Donuts, is something that everybody should listen to and have in their, uh, in their collection. Um, but yeah, it was just nice to, to everybody went a completely different direction with it. On to our next episode, which was... So we did our album of the decade, um, which was a... a um, mine was Kate Renard's 99.9%. Uh, Lee did uh, Kendrick Lamar's Pimp Butterfly and Mark did The Gorillas Is Humans all very very different albums then we move on to episode 6 uh, something that we wanted to talk about because it was one of those years where we just felt there were so many good albums most years you'll always get good music but good albums is something completely different and those bodies of work that you don't skip a track, that, that they're hard to come by. Um, and in the year 2000, we just had a magnitude of them. So we went through our favourite ones, the ones that stood out and had a little conversation about that. I'd like to revisit that kind of template though and maybe do um, those albums that never age, like uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumours is just as influential today as it was when it came out. Um, you know, it's, it's timeless in the sense that it still seems ahead of its time, even though, you know, it was done all that time ago and, and people are still trying to trump it today. Um, which is weird because I always think of that album every time I think of or listen to that first Haim album. And then we moved on to our, we wanted to lighten the mood a little bit. I mean, we, a lot of our episodes are heavy on the music talk. Um, so we decided to do an episode on Guilty Pleasures. Those tracks that we love, that you wouldn't expect us to have in our repertoire. And we just had a little bit of a chat about it. And some of them just gave me flashbacks. Other ones did make me cringe, I'm not going to lie. Um, so it was really, really good. And we will be talking about those again because I did thoroughly enjoy that. So, and then we're here today. So, yeah, so Lee gave me an interesting fact uh, today as we got online that a year ago me and him and a bunch of my f music friends uh, big shout out to the Bajawa brothers uh, Ben um, 
to Brownie and all my crew. Uh, we was at Somerset House for Soul Action. Uh, it was an amazing day. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, we saw Zylo. It's a big shout out to Zylo. We're following your music all the time. Um, always featuring on our playlists. Um, Joe K was there, obviously. We bumped into Complexion. So uh, if any of you have ever listened to the Future Beat show that comes on Westside Radio, that's done by DJ Complexion. It's uh, phenomenal. Go check it out. Um, we bumped into, gosh, so many people. I mean, it was, there was, Goldlink yeah. was the surprise yeah. guest. Okay. It was good to see him out there. Yep. Um, didn't Sango do a set as well? On that cha-cha-cha, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Yeah, it was a really, really good day. Um, actually, Joe K's back for the Joe K experience in September. I have tickets, but I'm, with all this COVID stuff going on, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be another cancelled event. Didn't you also say to me that on this day, Aaliyah's Aaliyah's album came out? Um, we're recording this on um, July the 19th. 2020 um, sounding a bit like Captain Kirk and and, and, and yeah, I mean it does feel like we're in a in a science fiction film right now. Um, so yeah, as Mark says, we you know it was it was this weekend a, a year ago, almost to the day that we were over at Selection. Then there was what do you reckon five, six, seven hundred people there, just all raving, different different nationalities and 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 and, and backgrounds and 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 they're loving it. And it was one of those events where you know you, you jump around and you accidentally bump into the person next to you they grab you and you jump up and down together and and that that kind of close contact that feels so alien now but you know i i, I don't even want to say oh we took it for granted back then because i think both mark and i i mean i'm, I'm i mean i've been socially distancing since 1979 you know <laughs> even, even someone like me i appreciated at the time just that feeling of community and and music bringing people together and all that 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 kind of um that 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 kind of stuff that's so important. So you know, I got I maybe had a little bit of a a little bit of a tear in my eye the other day just thinking about it. But hopefully those days will will come back. July seventeenth um, saw the birth of one of my um, favorite musical um, artists and and just 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 people in in the creative field ever. That's Keith Elam, um, commonly known as Guru Gifted and Unli- uh, Gifted Unlimited Rhymes Universal, um, Guru of Gangstar fame, um, Jazzmatazz fame. Someone I, I, I bumped into um, many a year ago in in London's West End, who 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 I had the, the chance just, just to shake hands with, and, and and so on and so forth, which I'll, I'll tell on the show another time. There is a walking um, embodiment of um, jazz music and jazz culture meets hip hop and, and hip hop culture. So um, if you don't know, get to know, as they say, and and that's Keith Elam, um, also known um, as Guru of Gangstar and Jazzmatazz fame. So, um, you know, rest, rest in power to him and, and so on and so forth on, on what would be his, his birthday week. Aaliyah, um, the self-titled Aaliyah album, released on July 17th of 2001. The first Aaliyah album is shadowed in um, an R. Kelly um, allegations-shaped cloud. Um, the second album is... Um, I think at the first time that a lot of people really got onto the whole Timberland and Missy um, wave, where people were saying, "Oh, this new Aaliyah album, it doesn't sound like the the last one. It sounds like it sounds like they've taken because, of course, we're a UK-based podcast and and and, and UK culture in, in involving things like drum and bass music, where people said, "Oh, this 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 new Aaliyah album, it sounds like drum and bass music, but slowed down by this guy called Timberland, like he's he's named after a shoe, and it was like." Yeah, this is, you know, this. you just feel the musical landscape um, shake. And um, her third album, July 17th, 2001, Aaliyah by Aaliyah, had amazing songs on it like More Than a Woman, um, Rock the Boat, 
um, we need a resolution, um, try again. And, I'm, and I might be, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think that try again might be the first song in history that went to number one before it was released or something like that because the amount of radio play it got before it came out, um, I might be completely talking at the top of my hat there. Something like that, but the reason why it got so much radio play was it featured on a soundtrack to a movie, didn't it? There you go. I think it might have been Cradle to the Grave. I don't quote me on that, but it might. Oh, have been it might have been Romeo Must Die. Must Die. Yeah, it was one of those Jet Li movies. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Um, an- another, yeah, you- another, couple, another couple of things, just, just very, very quickly. Um, July the thirtieth, The Strokes is this it album? That, 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 that was a must-have album. Um, is this it? Last night, New York City Cops, which I believe got taken off. Um, reprints of the album after september 11 which happened shortly afterwards one that will be close to mark's heart and and he'll talk more you'll hear more about this in forthcoming guilty pleasures but july the 24th celebrity by in sync came out to be fair though but when they dropped that track girlfriend though dun, 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 on that neptune oh, dun, yeah dun, 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 dun. Going, going back to that strokes album though um i love that cover Do you remember it was kind of like a curvaceous bottoman and like a like a dark glove. It was just really artistic. It kind of reminded me of the cover to that Janet album, Janet. You know where it's kind of yes. raunchy but artistic at the same time. Yeah, let's keep it sexy yeah. but let's keep it classy. It's a really good yeah. album. A good album. Good artwork. Um, yeah. yeah. T- t- turn the dial. Turn the dial to, to the left or right a little bit, and it's something else completely different. Exactly. But they just they just yeah, need just to get, get it, it just right. right. Yeah, just right. Um, going back to that uh, Aaliyah album, I totally know what you're saying about uh, that Aaliyah album and how we kind of received it here. Um, I mean, prior to that, like you said, the consumption of Aaliyah music was on those kind of pure swing albums. If he wasn't a fan, that's where you heard yeah. it. Um, R&B, swing beat, and you knew what you were getting from exactly, it. And then... yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think my favourite Aaliyah slash Timbo production is Hot Light Fire, but that remix, which isn't even the Timberland production. Right, right. Um, I'm really on that. It's a big tune. Um, but yeah, she was taken way too soon. Um, a good combination of the two of them. You know, that mix of Timberland and Aaliyah was was fantastic. I would, have liked, I would have liked to see what she would have done without Timberland. Like to see where, what di- direction her music would have taken, um, how she would have developed. It would have been nice to see, you know, because we only ever got exposed to the duo. It would have been nice to see what she would have done independently. Yeah, I suppose um, from this point we should uh, go into... I want to have a little quick mention about our vlog that's coming up soon. Because like Lee said on this day, we went to Soul Election. But before we went to Soul Election, we did go out for food, rooftop bar, a little chill. And then we hit the gig. Um, We are going to be starting a vlog uh, called Food and Gig, uh, where we will be doing that. And on a repetition all over the country so we'll be hitting some of the top music venues where some of the artists that we love to go and see will be playing but before that we'll be eating at various types of places in the local vicinity to the gig uh, and we'll be filming it all it'll be me the other hosts uh, friends uh, family um, so I'm really looking forward to it that's looking to launch in September dependent on when the gigs start getting going again it could be the first one doesn't happen until October uh, because me and Mark are going to see Thundercat. So that would be that potentially could be the first one. But again, it's all dependent on on COVID. But look out for that. That will go up on the uh, blog, um, which is influencedpodcast.co.uk, and that's a good little crossover now to talk about our blog and the things that we uh, do on it. Uh, we regularly yeah, it posting. 
music reviews and news and, and little things that we think you'd be interested in. Uh, Lee did a fantastic uh, interview on there. I'll let him talk to you about it now. A fantastic multimedia artist. Objects in Orbit is an artist that I would dub a uh, a master of uneasy listening. His latest project, he went extra funky. It's called Panoramas. It's a really funky instrumental hip hop project. But there is things in there. I mean, hip hop is 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 made up of so many other things. So it's a bit like saying, oh, it's it's purely a musical stew. Um, so you've got some West African. Um, Time signatures in here, some three, four jazz elements, some of these uneasy, uh, uneasy listening, rocky kind of moments. But overall, it's this really funky and, and loose hip hop album. Arguably my favorite album of the year. Um, he recorded it from about September to January of this year. So to hear him talk about things like economic crashes and 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 physical illness, not for the faint of heart, folks. It's not for the faint of heart. You you know. But, you know, we, we, we got to sit down and, um, and, and discuss via the power of the internets um, some of the influences that went into this project. So talked about, about one of his biggest influences, which he is not a Prince Paul clone. Far from it. But he and I had discussions about Prince Paul previously. We're both massive De La Soul fans. Um, we're both massive Gravediggers fans. And, um, you know, are, are, we've, we've influenced being so much about exploring new music and celebrating the artists that came before, the musical ancestors, so on and so forth. He, he was gracious, gracious enough to spend some time talking about what makes Prince Paul so special to him. So um, you can check that out at influencepodcast.co.uk. It's me, Lee, um, talking to the one and only Objects in Orbit. Shout out to Objects. Go listen. He's your, one of your favourite albums of the year so far. You can it's also an amazing album. Check out on our blog. Uh, Lee has put that in there in our mid-year review. So on the on the blog, we've put a mid-year review albums that we've liked up to this point. So far, I kind of feel like both of us believe that 2020 music-wise has been the year of The Alchemist um, because... Uh, he dropped Alfredo with Freddie Gibbs, which literally was just, it's just a banger. Big shout out to Freddie Gibbs because Bandana in 2019 could have been my album of the year then as well. So it's back to back for Freddie Gibbs and that's been reflected in a new record contract for him. So big shout out to Freddie Gibbs. Follow him on Instagram because it is great music, but he's hilarious as well. He's a very, very funny guy. So The Alchemist also involved in... An amazing album, um, The Price of Tea in China, with longtime alchemist collaborator and an MC that I have slept on, criminally slept on, um, Detroit's own Boldy yeah, James. I mean, it's, it's uh, again, um, a great, great, great album. Um, go and check it out. It, it definitely deserves to be on the list. Um, so that's two. Third one of the Alchemist trilogy is the, the Conway Project Lulu which is... I hadn't heard, listened to that until you'd put it on the list. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so also on the list, we've got a Beats album because we always have to have a Beats album. Um, that was me. I put in there Knowledge is 1988. Um, it is a banger. If you don't like instrumental music, leave it alone. If you love a beat, let's get all over it. If you're one of those guys that sits in the car and goes, cha 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 Get all over it. It's an absolute banger. Mid-year review. You always put, also put in there the Dirty Old Man is banned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's one of my favourite hip hop projects of recent years. Lot, lots lots of chopped up samples. Lot, lot lots of um, 
very um, good sample flips and, and, and big plums and, and bass lines and, and deaf lyricism and, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, the collective are from um, different parts of the states, but there's a real camaraderie and a real friendship. The project is called East Grand, representative of, of, of a location in Detroit. They, they meet up together, they do their Airbnb thing for a weekend where they all hang out. They go to, to these musical um cultural meccas, musical meccas, um, dig for records in the old dollar bin stores, the charity stores, the record shops, etc. Flip them. Um, they, 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 MC, you know, some of them are producers and MCs, some are MCs, some are producers, and they all just jam out in, in this Airbnb for a week and then a weekend. And then after that, they go, cool, see you again ne- this time next year sort of thing. What I'm getting at is in 2020, to listen to an album that came out very early this year, and it is 15, 16, 17 people journey into, this time it was Detroit, um, soaking up things like Motown, Hitsville, USA, going to, um, you know, Dillard's Delights Donut Shop and, and actually being at, at the, the, the donut shop that I think it's Jay Dillard's uncle owns. Um, you know, and then, and then going back to an Airbnb that they've rented to, 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 to make a collaborative album. Um, is is something that is so poignant right now with 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 the world we we find ourselves in with lockdown or post lockdown or pre second wave nerves lockdown and so on and so forth. So guys, talking about documentaries, it, it's far more rough and ready. It's far more a vlog, um, but it's still very cool to cool to watch. There is a East Grand documentary. Um, the name The Dirty Old Men, of course, that has different connotations to different people. Um, they're they're mostly men, but but men of a certain age. Um, you know, they get their hands dirty chopping the records and digging dusty vinyl and whatnot. So, you know, there's there's the odd swear word here and there, but it's not some kind of two live crew or some something ultra not safe for work. Do you know what I mean? There might be the odd swear, swear word there, but there's a, there's a song on there called um, Cherries and Blueberries, which, which has this spoken word ending that, that, that it will bring a tear to one's eye, especially with things like the Black Lives Matter movement and, and so on. Shout out to Jay Bishop and everyone else, dirty old men. That's me. Yeah, cool. Um, I actually put on the list at the, the, the most recent Little Dragon album. Uh, it's called New Me, Same Us. Um, if you're not familiar with Little Dragon, they are a Swedish four-piece. Um, I suppose they're a kind of jazz, electric, funk, fusion, soul band. Closest or most similar uh, band artist that I would say in terms of high profile would be someone maybe like Goldfrapp. But I would say they're more like, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Haters Coyote. Or maybe like a UK version would be maybe like a Luna George. Which is weird because they both, yeah, but they both featured on that K Tronado album as well. So it's a little bit weird to, but I mean, that's why you can see the similarities there as well. Um, it's chilled, it's electronic, it's funky, it's their first album in three years. Um, it's quintessentially Little Dragon. It's ex- what you would expect from a Little Dragon album. It's not one of their albums where they've come out and they've tried to do something new or inventive. They're, they've gone back to their mainstay of albums one and albums two. Uh, um, it's uh, a must-have in your collection for the year. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it if you like those bands that I previously spoke about, or if you're a Katra fan of that first Katra album, you'll definitely you'll you'll get it. It's that kind of. Is it, is it funk or is it kind of house or is it electric? Um, but the, the, the most important thing uh, about Little Dragon is the vocals. Uh, their lead vocalist, who, again, if I get her, her name incorrect, please um, forgive me. I believe you pronounce it Yukimi Nagano. 
Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, she's got such a voice that fits with the music. Um, yeah, I'm a massive fan. And big shout out to uh, Eleanor Stewart because uh, she's a bigger Little Dragon fan than I am. I must admit, I was um, quicker onto this album when it came out. But um, if you want more uh, detail on Little Dragon, I would say hit her up because like, she's a bit of an expert when it comes to Little Dragon. Um, we also put on our list a couple of albums that we reviewed. We've previously spoke about the Fred Again album, um, the Cleo Rose album, uh, Rose in the Dark was the first album I reviewed for the blog. Um, I'm a big fan of it. it um, Lee, would you say it's just old old school soul? Like, old school soul with a modern twist. I, 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 like, I like to use certain phases that, that, that play Lee Bingo. I, I would call it um, um, classical yet contemporary. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's classical in the vocals and contemporary in the production, and that's what kind of keeps it up to date. But um, I, it's one of those albums that you will enjoy. But if you recommended it to your mum, she'd love it as well. Um, uh, I think that these kind of albums are good for the summer when you're outside and you're chilling, you're having a barbecue, you've got friends round because the the lyrics are heartfelt and meaningful, so they're good to listen to. Um, it's about love and pain and all those things that you expect to hear in soul music. But not only that. It's quite relaxing. The production washes over you. It's soothing. It's atmospheric. Um, so it's one of those albums that I've been re- recommending all year round. Um, so yeah, definitely go and check that out. Check out our review on that one. Um, we've already spoke about the Conway album. Uh, the next one on the list is quite important to us because like we said before, it could be our first episode of our vlog. Um, would be Thundercat. It is what it is. Now... I don't need to talk about this album too, too much if you know who Thundercat is. Because once you mention his name, you know it is going to be brilliant. End of story. However, if you're still thinking about lion Chitara and Panthera, you were also born in the 80s, but you've got no idea who Thundercat the musician is. Uh, Thundercat is a producer, uh, musician, bass player, singer... Uh, genius um, signed to my favourite independent label that is out there probably So um, uh, with Flying Lotus I think the label's actually owned by Flying Lotus is that correct? I want to say it's Flying Lotus's label uh, yeah I want to say that off the top of my head he is uh, it's intelligent it's thought provoking it's socially aware um, it's emotional it's, the musicality is exceptional the bass and riffs are superb um, you just got to go and get every single Thundercat album and anything that he's ever done really I mean that's just the gist of it he's uh, and live is phenomenal but not just for the music the costumes the artistry the show Thundercat sorry we saw, we saw him performing um, it sounds silly to say warming up for it sounds kind of disrespectful, but we, we saw him opening up for um, Flying Lotus at Coco. Um, uh, no, no, no. Flying Lotus at Roundhouse for the You're Dead album. And um, Thundercat came out and did songs including um, Heartbreaks, Breakups. Um, I think he may have also done Oh Shit, It's X 
fool that I am, I ran to the bathroom and then came back and he finished Heartbreaks and Makeups, I think. So what a tool I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, 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 he does amazing things with that guitar and his falsetto. And, and anyone that can rock a stage in a pair of fluffy slippers like he did that evening, I've got nothing but respect for. One of my favourite Thundercat moments is on the, one of the, the Tiny Desk gig because he's the bassist for Mac Miller oh. on Tiny Desk. Oh. And it's just a nice little combination because I'm, again, this is a bit off track. I'm a massive fan of Mac Miller. The reason why I'm a massive fan of Mac Miller is that we had this discussion about your first album, your sophomore album, etc., etc. This is an artist whose musicality improved album after album after album after album and when you speak to people that are extremely talented i'm talking about people that are musically talented musicians such as anderson pack they don't have a bad word to say about the guy because he was just constant he wasn't a rapper he was constantly trying to absorb as much music as he could to be a musician to have to be well-rounded so no, loads of love goes out to matt miller check out every matt miller project but check out the tiny desk because that combination of thundercat and matt miller it just works it's just really special um the label we were talking about so i should mention the label name is brain feeder uh, other artists on the label are obviously um flying lotus as we mentioned uh, i'm a big fan of sammy yam as well when i was into more heavily into my the new beat maker um, guys, um, and shout out to people like um, B-Boy Tech Report, Beat Tape Co-op, um, .com, BeatTips.com, um, AlcotaBeats.com for um, showing me love when I was he more heavily into the, the beat tapes than I am now. Um, Sam I Am was one of the dudes that, that I really, there was a certain point where I, I don't want to say I wanted to sound like them, but the same way that, that, that they made me do the screw face and, and the head bobbing, and just zoning out to their beats. It, it was Sam I Am, um, Flying Lotus, um, Ackwright, um, Illingsworth, um, Mecca 83, um, Radius, Sev Sevilla, um, K15, who is someone that we need to talk about at, at a certain time as well. But um, looping back, Sam I Am, absolutely. I think, I think Sam I Am is, uh, is slept on. Uh, not only that, I do believe that George Clinton's currently on the label as well. So all the new... Um, I didn't. I didn't realise that Slash had forgotten that momentarily. But yeah, talking about a meeting of the minds. Yeah, and, and you can totally see that. That like, if I was going to compare Thundercat to an artist, like iconically, visually, it would be George Clinton. That would be the direct comparison, wouldn't it? Um, so yeah, definitely go check out that album. Check out everything that he's done. Go to the gig. The gig is at the Roundhouse, I believe, in October. I think it's October the 11th. Get your tickets. They are still available. Um, Look, even if it doesn't happen and you get your money back, do that because you just don't want to miss it. It's, it's a must. We also, another album that you put on there, Lee, was uh, West Side Gun, Pray for Paris. How you can be, I mean, again, talk about a sense of, t t today's topic is um, documentaries I haven't yet watched and artists and um, creatives who know their self-worth. To, to be someone who never wants to, to be an MC, which Westside Gunn says he never wanted to be an MC, but when things happened within his Griselda musical unit, so that they didn't lose momentum to, 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 to the traction that their music was already gaining, he stepped up. He stepped up and he, and, he, and, he, and he either became an MC or he did more music, even though he was like, I don't really want to be doing this rapping. I'm not a rapper. I'm the person behind the scenes doing the business deals. Um, he stepped up to, to, to keep Griselda going when, when various things 
um, had happened, which 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 would have sent sent people of of less um, fortitude pack. Um, you know, thing, things with Benny the Butcher and, of course, thing, things that Conway had to overcome. You know, talk about walk a mile in someone else's shoes. I, I, I wouldn't master a, a footstep in, in, in what they've had to um, to, 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 to overcome. So, um, so salutes to, to those guys. But, but West Side Gun, in his, in his musical style, I would say is, is, is one part Raekwon and Ghostface, um, one part Cool G Rap, one part Kanye West, one part Pharrell Williams, um, one part Jimmy Cornette Wrestling, um, one part Joe Pesci, that 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 master of the macabre, you know, some some of the stuff that comes out of West Side Gun's mouth is is just so surreal and so horrific and so um, vivid and so psychedelic. You know, he's he, 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 like I say, one, how how you are one part Cool G Rap and one part Kanye West and still be. You know, he isn't trying to pretend to be anyone other than himself. He's and like I say, he's he's got an album that is one of the best albums of the year by an artist who didn't even really want to be a musical artist. Um, the next one is my pick, which was that Tom Mish and Yusuf Day's album. Uh, what kind of music? Uh, this is a soft jazz soul album. Um, I love this album because it's quintessentially um, one of those things that we discussed with LRM on the LRM interview. In is that both these artists are British, and yet they came to prominence through the LA music scene, which just seems mad to me. Like, but that's the way it goes with that kind of genre of music, especially in in modern times. Both independent, but those independent labels carry more weight in the states because more people consume that kind of music than they do over here. There are two jazz musicians that I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Um, some people like this album, some people don't. They've both got quite distinctive sounds. I wasn't sure if they were going to fuse those two sounds together or come together and make something completely different. What they did was come together and made something completely different um, that attests to what they do separately. Um, it's, it's a really good album. It's easy listening. To say it's in my album of the year, I've put it in there because I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was a surprise, but I also understand it's not going to be everybody's taste. Um, it is soft, very much like um, the Kromenichi album, Travellers. Yeah, I really like that album, but I also understand it's those instrumental things or those kind of soft, subtle kind of musics aren't for everybody. Um, but I mean, I think that if you listen to it, you can hear with the nature of the show being influenced you can hear how they're influenced and it also attests to what we were talking to before the prominence of the Terrace Martins the Robert Glaspers people like Tom Mish here um, that are using that jazz and taking it into a new crossover kind of direction very much like Sade did back in the day hence why we're going to have that discussion later on but um, for your music to, to, to last the test of time I know it sounds sad, but fundamentally, it doesn't just need to have critical acclaim. It needs to be successful. It has to sell. Because once it sells, it gives the opportunity to the next generation trying to do the same music to do the same thing. We, 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 we would all would have loved Sade, whether it sold or not. But the fact that it sold meant the next generation of jazz artists, artists coming after her are more likely to get signed. Because the record labels made money. That's my opinion. You're not agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I wish I'd have been recording that because I, I walked backwards and forwards. Um, I folded my arms. I rubbed my hands together. I, I stroked my chin. It's a wonder that I'm not constantly rowing with people on the internet because I'm, I, I'm so <laughs> contrary. Um, are you saying that in 2020 you have to sell a lot 
or that in the days of Sade, um, she had both a critical and a commercial success, which was needed at the time. Yeah, at the time. I mean, nowadays you don't have to sell. But what I'm saying is that if Tom Mish, okay, because we're not selling records now, we're streaming units. If Tom Mish successfully streams a lot of units, then the next three years, if a jazz-like musician comes up and says, oh, this is the kind of music I want to do, the labels are listening because they've seen the success of Tom Mish. Where if you don't have the success of Tom Mish, their argument's going to be, oh, do you know what? That music doesn't sell, like we were talking before. And it doesn't, I mean, in this day and age, we don't, we don't depend on record labels like we do, but you still need funding in some point or another. I mean, it's, it's, it's really weird. If you ever listen to Puff Daddy, Puff Daddy says, if Flavour in Your Ear didn't sell and he didn't have that gimmick of the Big Mac box and sending the tape out like that, you never get any of those bad boy and, records. And Mark... Because the, but, Mark carry on the funding gets pulled the funding gets pulled it was his, it wasn't his own money like he didn't put up his own money to make a record label you've got to take the money from someone and do you know what so i could talk about flavor in your ear all day because there was a time where rest in peace to craig mack there was a time where craig mack was bigger on bad boy than biggie was yeah of course yeah, and of course. it was flavor in your i mean you you say, of course, because we know, but you, yeah, you, it was the first you, single. you will you will hear um, people with with a revisionist history, or or maybe they see Wikipedia and they go, I mean, Biggie was of course larger than life. Pardon, pardon the the, the, the the awful unintended pun there. But there was a time where I mean, flavor in your ear was fucking massive, absolutely massive. You could not move for that and the remix. Yeah, but it's so big. Well, I'm going to say that it was. Because the original track was such a success, the features that they got on the remix at the time was everybody. Anybody that was anybody was on that, they featured. Because that's how big a single that they had. So whether he was a marketing genius or not, in terms of Puffy getting the music out there, that success made the label. Like His whole career is made... Let's be honest, Like he worked for Darrell, so we all knew who he was prior to Bad Boy, and he was a great spotter of talent but I'm saying as a record label if you don't have that success then the bank's never going to give you any more money and of course what, what, what what's what's so interesting is with your with with, with your armchair A&I A&R hat on like I have um, Flavor in your ear is massive um, who's the first MC that you have on the remix while you've got people's attention your next release yeah yeah your next yeah. release yeah your next yeah. release Biggie. Because you know, hang on a minute, I've just sold all these units. Let us, very much like Dre did with Snoop, let me introduce the next artist that I'm going to sell. So, um, very much so. Going back to um, talking about these albums. So, so yeah. Um, I said, you you put Run the Jewels 4 on there, didn't you? Right. Oh, oh, talking about easy listening albums by two just, esteemed artists before we get into this before we discuss um, it I always have a problem with the Run The Jewels albums and in, the problem that I have with them is not that any on. of them are great like, like are not good it's just that it's that same problem of mm-hmm. it was great and each one's still good but not better than the one before Ooh. Um, I think that this instalment of Run The Jewels is the one that has grabbed my attention and sustained it the most. 
and everybody said that. Like when I've read reviews and stuff, they all agree it, it wasn't that way for me. But anyway, go on. Let's go into it. Do you know, I, I, I was it really not? I don't know. I just, I just kind of always have an air of disappointment with them, and, and it's not fair because they're all very good. Um, it's, it's a bit like that last Jay Electronica album. It's not that it wasn't good. It's just that was it great? And and when you get artists like this now, I've got to that stage where I expect great. And it's not it's not fair. Right, can we go back to the J Electronica album in, in a few minutes' time? Because I'd just written down that there was one or two albums absent from the list and 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 two. One I goofed up and forgot to just write it, and the second one was J Elec and I wanted to come back to that in a few moments. But please continue with, with the Run the Jewels um dilemma, shall we say? I think I think that what maybe is happening with yourself and Run The Jewels is that because LP is so amazing and Killer Mike is so amazing, I feel like it's a bit like, for the Star Wars fans out there, when you so love the first three, first three, and you hope Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi, how could you ever live up to the expectations of those first three albums so i mean I, i'm i mean it, it's it's interesting isn't it because would, would it be fair to say that we've put albums on this list that one would say and i know that we it's difficult and crude sometimes to mark music in this way but would you say these albums are all four out of five and up now now, now you're talking about it I, I i would there would be an argument i've put the tom mish yusuf days one on there but there would be an argument i'd be very happy to say that this album is just as good as that one However, that was because my expectation from Tom Mission Yusuf Days was fulfilled, where my expectation for this one wasn't fulfilled. Right. I think that's what, and that's not fair, but I mean, that's how I'm addressing it. It's not that it's a bad album. It's like you've yeah. just said, they're yeah. brilliant. So why isn't the album brilliant? And, and also, and also we're, we've got to be quick to point out here, we're talking about your favourite albums of the past six months. Exactly. Um, we're, exactly. We're not get, we're not getting out a chemistry set and going. Yeah. Oh, well, one hundred people rated this album as nine out of ten, and here's a graph and here's a pie chart. And if I don't yeah, put this, you know, sure. Um, sure, two sure. two albums that are missing from me, and I have to, and I have to admit, one of them was a pure goof up on my part. So apologies to a beat tape mainstay who goes by the name of boom baptist boombaptist.bandcamp.com um which isn't very easy for me to say um with his fantastic boom shakalakalaka project which i didn't give mark any sort of um pre-warning i was going to talk about but it's a fantastic beat tape project mark who who right now i'm, I'm not going to lie mr the new beat maker over here you are listening and more enthusiastic right now listening to beat tapes than i am so go and check this out i'll send you a link uh yeah, it, cool. it, it is a project very inspired by um nba jams okay and so if you are into your video games if you are into your basketball culture if you are into 90s my gosh mark doesn't this make us feel old if you are into 90s nostalgia um if you are into basketball and fly nba jerseys and iconography and all this type of stuff um and it's it's a fantastic project um very melodic um 
hard hitting drums and and drum changes up and whatnot. It's got some 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 UK jungleist kind of vibes every every now and again, and um, it, it's got a very cohesive theme, um, all about NBA jams and and so on and so forth. So peace to boom, uh, peace to boom Baptist. Um, he and I've I've had a little bit of a, a Facebook uh, rapport here and there, so I apologise. I goofed up. I meant to put this project on the list. And then, I, and then I posted it, I shared it, and I had an oh shit moment. And another project that I've wanted Mark Williams's opinion on, and we've kind of had similar... What Mark just said about Run the Jewels, I will say in a moment, but um, J Electronica's long-anticipated, talking about Star Wars and, and the, the, the films that came so long the after the, the, the first yeah. three, Jay Electronica's A Written Testimony. Um, Mark, do you want to go first on what you think about that album? It gets worse the more you listen to it. Oh, shit. I, I, the reason why I say, and that sounds harsh, and I'm not trying to be controversial, but what you've just said there in the terms of the expectation, the hype, the weight, the want, when this album came out, I was buzzing. And the first time I put it on, I loved it. And I was in love with it. But it was because I'd been waiting so long for a Jay Electronica album. The more you listen to it and the more you analyse it, you do start, like, have I played it that much since? Not really. But you start to realise, is it any, is it better? It's definitely not better. Like, it's def- he's, not, he's not moved his sound, his music forward. Is it a bad album? No. I mean, am I still going to give it a three and a half or four out of five? Yeah, probably. But but I'm expect it's the same thing. I'm expecting five out of five, like all the time, because that's where you, that's what happens. Like it's like I was saying about Thundercat. The problem is if Thundercat now does an average album, the first time I listen to it, I'll still love it because it's Thundercat. But then when you re go you re, re go through it and you readdress it and you listen to it. Then you stop playing it because you play the other Thundercat albums that you like more. That's what happened with the J Electronica album. It's exactly what happened with Blueprint 2. Blueprint 2 came out and Blueprint 2 is a brilliant album. But have I played it as much as Blueprint 1? No. No way near as much. So that's my opinion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I upset you, Jay. I still love you. Your music's great. But... There's a bar. Um, That's all. I uh, and again, Mark Williams knows that um, Jay Z's Blueprint Two album is an album that is dear to it's dear to both our hearts. I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's dear to my heart. Yeah, it's of dear it is. to both our hearts. And me and Mark have used um, Blueprint Two as an example of inside a good album, there is a fantastic album if you, if you trim trim the fat, so to speak. And, and, and hopefully in the coming weeks and months, yes. it's an album that we can we can take to the cutting room and, and, and kind of trim around and go, look, here's an album that was seven. Some people would say six and a half, which we, we now make a nine, because I think there's some of Jay's greatest work on the album. But at the same time, there's some real stinkers. And there's some things that, that, that at the time made my eyes roll. And, and 10, September 11, 2001, 15, 19 years later, those things that made my eyes roll at the time, my eyes fall out of my head rolling. Um, I feel like Jay Electronica had become a victim of, I mean, again, we were talking about um, various artists' mystique, and I feel like Jay Electronica's mystique um, has kind of harmed him in his later career because I saw um, Jay Electronica as being like a um, some sort of mysterious, mystical 
um, Jedi Knight type individual with very little as far as he didn't post a lot of things on the internet. The first time I heard about him was Erica Badu singing his praises in an interview that was so old that it was back on the MySpace days. And Erica Badu was talking about J Electronica in such a way that without any material from him, I'm not going to lie. I thought that J Electronica, the way she was talking about him, was going to be an alter ego of herself in a way that maybe a prince would say Jamie Starr. Do you see what I mean? So with Erica Badu being so enigmatic, I thought I think by I thought she was talking about a project that you were never going to see who 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 did it. And it was really going to be her. So that's how far back we go. I'm not talking about the, oh, you mean when they were dating? No, this is years, years before that. Um, so things to me like um, DMT, um, oh, um, a prayer for Mike Vick and T.I., where he was rapping over the, the, the unreleased or the not very well-known Jay Dilla beats. And he would rap his arse off. Um, the, the 5%, you know, type of stuff again, where it's quasi-Islamic this, then it's Buddhist that, then it's Jedi this, then it's Black Power, then it's just saying fly shit that, that you then break down to. So, from the early 2000s, I mean, this this is a time of OKPlayer.com, Narite, um, people like the Cool Kids, um, Wale, um, Lupe Fiasco, um, may, maybe even around the time of, of, of when, when Kanye West was, 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 was breaking out into his own his own light. So this is how far we're, we're going back, listeners, just to give... Because I think that some people... I mean, a, a friend of mine, he's, he's 20, 21 years old, and um, he's very respectful of the DJ Premier's. And he loves DJ Premier and he loves Jay Dilla. Um, but to him, I mean, an album came out that same day as Jay Electronica. And it was um, the Lil Uzi Vert album. And we had a bit of a laugh online because I was going, oh, my God, what a great day in music. And he went, yeah, Lil Uzi Vert's just dropped after all these years. And I went, Jay Electronica's dropped after all these years. Yeah. And it was a real moment of us, uh, of kind of, you know, I felt very much like an old head. But um, yeah. I, I kind of, I... I think I was at peace with the fact that in 2020, the J Electronica that wrapped Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Exhibit A, and then damn near broke the rap internet with Exhibit C, wasn't the J Electronica I was getting on an album in 2020. Um, I, but I think, I think the album is mixed horribly. I think it sounds like a mixtape. And now... If you go and listen to my Bandcamp offerings, people would go, well, who are you to judge? Because your stuff sounds like it's... And it's like, well, I mean, for a gentleman that's on Rock Nation, where you think about the amount of money and, you know, when, when Jay-Z brings up... A... This, this is a professional outfit and not just a professional outfit, one of the b- biggest professional outfits. I mean, when, when Hove makes that phone call and says, I want this or that recording studio... In, in this day and age, it would be like a, a Madonna or or, or or someone saying, "I want this recording studio." Like who else is in? Who who? You kick the other artists 100%. out of the room for 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 this. I, I I would imagine. So to hear an album that is mixed and mastered in a way that and and hip hop, you know, has always been rough, rugged, and raw to in, in, in some respects. But this album sounds very hastily mixed. Um, some of Jay. LX versus sound a bit free association and a bit freestyled in a way that um, it's like a car to body. It's 
body after body on my Ducati, where he sounds like he's paying homage to um, Little Wayne with that New Orleans Free Association, which I understand as two MCs from New Orleans who are so different. Yeah. And the fact that if you think that all that Jay-Z has ever talked about is money, do you fools listen to music or do you just skim through it? I mean, there was a time where Jay-Z was... was yeah. You know, walking the red, black, and green, and had the had 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 the hats with with the Islamic and the Egyptian iconography on them, and, and so on and so forth. So it might That's sound up, to some yeah. people shocking to hear Jay Z use certain phrases, but back back when we were listening to hip hop in the nineties, that was con- commonplace, and it was commonplace for for Jay Z as well. But my gosh, talk about if I was expecting more from Jay Elect vocally on this album, Jay Z's verses on here are absolutely insane. I mean, I think that along with um, artists like Black Thought, no, there, there is an old stereotype that rappers past a certain age and approaching middle age are past it. No one told Black Thought that, and no one told Jay-Z that on, on this Jay Electronica album. But I, I got... Cons- Here's the thing, Mark. I think if they'd have mixed the album better, and I think if they'd have called it... Um, I don't know... A song, an, an album title of a project that was almost like Watch the Throne Two, yeah. because again and again I was get, I was quoting things on Facebook about how dope it was, and it was often Jay Z's lines. Okay. And when the album is a Jay Electronica album, that should not be happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's an album, but I still think that some some bits there. The 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 first song, the name of which has gone out of my head, um, Univer- uh, the Ghost of Soldier Slim, incredible, um, Universal Soldier, which is again Jay Z and Jaylek and James Blake singing beautifully. I mean, that sounds like something from a, another world to me. It's so wonderful. Um, the one which has the acronym "All Praises Due to Allah," which I've—I uh, can't say the, the the acronym properly, but the one that's all about grief and that I've got screen, I've got texts on my phone that 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 are, are screenshot because the people are no longer with us, and and both and both Jays are just so vulnerable on 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 on, on that track. It, it's a beautiful track. So um, if I was judging it by its worst points, I'd call it um, a six and a half. If I'm judging it by its best points, I call it an eight and a half. So as a politician, I'm going to back up and, and say, you know, take from that what you will. But um, if Jay Electronica is in a better place in his life now and, and has found peace within himself and his and his beliefs and so on and so forth. And he's like, I, I just want to fuck the music off. Who cares? Bite me. Um, again, like we said about um, Andre from Outcast, um, more power to you, sir. And Jay-Z, good God. How many decades later? Hmm. Hmm. 100%. I was a massive fan of the Little Dragon album as well. And there's a couple of other albums on there that we've done reviews on that we also popped in there. So, yeah, check out the blog. uh, Look at our reviews. Big shout out to Fred again because his EP as well is up there for one of my favourite EPs of the year. Um, I didn't. Mine too. Didn't know it. I didn't see it coming. It's not what I expected. I kind of felt like it'd be that. I, I knew him from the production that he's done with other UK artists, which I would consider crossover mainstream Afrobeat slash drill. You know, that kind of 
that UK urban music that's out at the moment, but it's all right to play on the radio. So nothing too bad. If you've got a bandana on your face, they ain't going to play it. So that's not what I knew Fred again from. He'd won a Brit Award, but what he's done here in his own EP sounds like this is the music that he loves. It's electronic, it's magical, it's expressive. Go check it out. It's definitely on the list. Um, also on the uh, blog... We recently did a piece on Netflix documentaries, as Lee, as Lee mentioned. Um, everybody's locked up at home. Uh, we all love our music. But in this day and age, there are so many great music documentaries that we said it's a must to go out there. And we are not sponsored by Netflix. We do not get any money by conscience, con- con- uh, continuously mentioning Netflix. Other streaming providers are available. Yep, and terms and conditions apply. So please read the TNCs <laughs> and don't say Mark Williams told, forced you to go and get it, okay? But they're, they're the ones that we checked out. Me and Lee are passionate um, about doing a show uh, or maybe a piece about one of our favourite music documentaries slash films. Um, I don't want to spoil it too, too much yet. Um, I think it's nearly 20 years old now, this movie. Um... I think it's something that everybody should watch. It will have you in tears at point. Um, so look out for that episode. Um, I'll give you warning before it comes. But I'm not going to mention the name of the, the film because I don't want you to watch it until we tell you to watch it. After we've, we've spilt our emotion into it. Um, but anyway, from the documentaries uh, that I uh, mentioned on Netflix, Lee recently said to me that he's watched a couple of them. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about them now. Um, and also a couple that he's watched on Amazon Prime. There's a couple that I would always recommend to watch as well, like Oasis is Supersonic. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that, uh, but it's a really, really good documentary. Um, I kind of feel it's real. Um, I feel, you know what Oasis are like, they're always themselves. They don't, they don't <laughs> pretend to be anyone else. It was, it was Oasis really being genuine. Oasis. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, exactly, Oasis being Oasis. Um, but the, the one I always come back to, I suppose because music-wise and socially at the moment that we're in, is uh, The Black Godfather, the music documentary about Clarence Avon. Did you, um, was you able to watch that? that? I am. No, I'm nodding here in, in... Listener, I'm nodding here in enthusiasm like, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. And Mark asked me if I've seen it. No, I have. Wham, wham. Ah, it's so good. Like, it's so good. I mean, I think pe- a lot more people now are familiar with who he was. Prior to the documentary, I'd never heard of the guy. Like, I'd heard of his record labels. I'd heard of the artists that he'd signed. I'd, I, I never I knew, knew him. And it was quite nice to, to kind of watch uh, his life journey, uh, the eras that he's travelled through, uh, and how the, the industry had changed. Um, it's a must-watch for me. It's just really, 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 really good. Um, the so main, what's what's really interesting, though, is it, it's, it's been that kind of thing with me that since, since you said how good the documentary was... Um, I had I'd, I'd seen the Netflix ad, ad, advert, the trailer. Then you said, "No, you really need to watch that." Um, about six months ago, and I'm, I'm still here, not seeing it. But I have seen and heard so many other people mention him since then that it, it, it's almost like, what was was he invisible until very recently? And, and then suddenly it was like, right now we can talk about Clarence, or see what, you know, like when someone mentions something, I never hear of someone or something. And then four and yeah. five people will mention someone definitely, in it. A... Definitely. Um, you know, like I said, like there's so many people that have said that they influenced, had careers influenced by him. People that we spoke about on our blog. I mean, Jam and Lewis um, got their first big production gig through Clarence Avon. Um, 
Bill Withers, who is one of those artists who, um, rest in peace Bill Withers, but um, he's one of those artists that was signed very late in his life. He was an airplane engineer. Um, and also, he I know it sounds silly, he was one of those artists, in my mind, one of the first artists that came out there and did that kind of folk singer-songwriter guitar thing that wasn't white. I mean, I can't remember many people doing that. It was a real kind of 60s... Do you, know, do you know what I mean? That, that kind of cross-pollination where, where you seem to have um, a... It, it, it seems really... As English people and, and people from the UK, I mean, the UK is far from perfect in a, in a lot of different ways. Let's, let's not pretend that it is. Um, but it sometimes seems to blow our minds, doesn't it, Mark, as far as how segregated america has been in a lot of different cultural ways and musical ways and then there are these certain pockets of people like the 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 folk artists um and you look at folk music as being you know stereotypically inherently white but yeah they they were digging the the bill withers and 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 all these types of artists um, no, is it good? Is it? No, I've seen it. <laughs> Welcome to Influence Podcast, where we discuss things that no, <laughs> yeah, we've never seen, seen anything. <laughs> we'll call this episode that. The, oh, I keep meaning to check it out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as Mark says, our, our, we watched it during. Um, you know, Mrs. and I watched it during lockdown, and um, a a very intelligent gentleman um, who I almost wanted to to make a really gross assumption and go. I think that him getting signed to a record label later in life meant he had more of a self-awareness that meant he wasn't going to do things he wasn't comfortable with but then again that's making the big assumption that i mean i think i think some 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 people come out of the womb pardon the graphic term with a sense of self and a sense of their own self-worth so maybe he was just one of one of one of those types of people but you know it, it, the, the documentary goes into um the phenomenon of, of, of white record execs who were telling him, hey, we've got this guy, James Brown, and he does this funky stuff, and you should be more funky, and big horns, and the, and the, where Bill was like, yeah, but you've got, basically, like, you've got this guy called Bill Withers, and um, yeah. I do what I do, sort of thing, yeah. and, and, and just, just that sense of self. Yeah. And, and, and I'm telling again, people are... Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, so no, very true, and, and it happened again with, have you ever seen the film, Whatever Happened to Sugar Man, is that what it's called? Searching for the Search Sugar, of Sugar Man. Man. That's it. Searching for the Sugar Man. So that hey, guy, a documentary, a documentary we've both seen. Yeah, well, that guy was signed to Success Records under Clarence Avon. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's a good, it's a good connection. All these documentaries and these people that are influential, and like you said, talent comes to the to the forefront. And what some person doesn't like, other people do, because obviously his music became very revolutionary. I won't spoil the film for people. Um, but yeah, so um, another good documentary. Another one on Netflix that I watched recently that was really close to my heart because it's a documentary of my era was LA Originals, um, which talks about the story of two guys. Again, I'm not gonna gonna ruin it, but watch it, especially if you love '90s hip hop or if you're into that kind of lowrider Latina culture, um, that LA culture. Um, yeah, and also it also shows that if if you're in the industry. Graft can take you a long, 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 long way because uh, these guys had to work exceptionally hard to get with, so where they got to. So that was a really, really good documentary. Um, t- My favourite Netflix documentary is uh, What Happened to Miss Simone. 
Uh, it's about Nina Simone, um, who is probably, when you're talking about knowing yourself, uh, being strong, independent, artistic, single-minded, uh, influential, um, she's just an absolute icon for me. She had all sorts of problems and struggles, uh, whether it be um, health or, or, or race or, or feminism or whatever it may be, and she always stood her ground, um, an absolute gem definitely watch it um it's very very moving very moving watching a documentary this weekend that mark put us on to um was um the robert johnson story um the devil at the crossroads it's good isn't it yeah it's good it's it's because it's the source that type of music that blues is the source of all modern music today like that if you followed that thread that's where so i kind of think it's important that you listen to it but I, i knew the myth but it, that's what it was to me. And then that gives you the opportunity to kind of work out how much of it is myth compared to reality. Um, I thought you did. you like it? Um, amazing. I mean, wh- wh- where do you even start on, 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 on that type of thing? I mean, his life... St- I mean, f- firstly, and I don't want to spoil too much of the documentary and I don't want to take up too much time and, and, and Mark jump in. Um, but this is a gentleman who um, was a quote-unquote mediocre guitar player in the deep south um at a time where there was um sharecropping um with, with you know with, 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 which is either very literal slavery or as near as slavery as you, as you can get it sharecropping or an itinerant musical lifestyle um and he tried to kind of swing between the two before fully uh, you know diving headfirst into the musical lifestyle and when we say that the musical lifestyle, we're talking about a time where um, the blues was 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 sang on 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 cotton fields and 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 so on and so forth. Um, but it was diametrically opposite to the the, the southern um, black church who who saw this music as the devil's music. So so a person like Robert Johnson, you could say he he didn't have a lot of friends and, and allies, so to speak, because you had the the racism, you know, the the clan and so on on, on one side and then the black church on another side saying you're doing the devil's music and um he's he he was a person who long before marketing campaigns and and so on and so forth he was a person that kind of seemed to have got to a point where he went well if 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 this music is 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 inherently bad by its nature or 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 diabolic by its nature fuck it i'm gonna go all out there's there's mythology or, or folklore around um you know, meeting the devil at the crossroads at midnight and trading his his mortal soul for a, um, a, a an amazing knowledge of of music. Um, um, the the less supernatural version is he he went away for a year and um, went went and went and practiced. But um, but he, even that had a um, you know he went to go and practice in graveyards late at night, which is so interesting to me as a person that I like my the X Files and all that kind of Halloween stuff. But it was kind of interesting. Came back a year later, kicking ass. Um, there's only two photographs of him. Two two photographs of someone who was revolutionized music in in a way that again there was a there, there was a before Robert Johnson and an after Robert Johnson 
and how um, people like Howling Wolf were so influenced by, by him and, and Muddy Waters and so on and so forth. We then went on to influence people like the, the, the Rolling Stones and, and some of the original white hipsters of the 50s and 60s who dug all these old blues musicians and, and that birthed the Led Zeppelins and so on and so forth. And, and you think nowadays, I mean, we, we take more than two photographs Every time we're in a rest, any time we were in a restaurant having a meal, you know what I mean? It's like so to think. Here's a guy that 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 is up there as far as birthing so much popular music, or or at least taking the wheel and steering it in a different direction. I can't get over the fact there's only two photographs of him and his mythos of if if you think I'm bad, I'm going to be the baddest version of me that I can be with 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 certain words and 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 things that he talked about in his music. Also, Robert Johnson had quite a few references to like the voodoo and, and stuff like that in his music, which brought me back to the whole D'Angelo voodoo album. Yeah, massively. That's what that's what he, when when I watched it, that's what I thought of was that album and like going to the D'Angelo gig where people are almost kind of like worshipping the vow yeah yeah, it's really interesting also because there aren't that many authenticated recordings of him either because of the the nature he never went into any record studios or anything like that so they're live recordings but with them being live recordings and with um, the uh, technology they had at the time it's really hard to authenticate things to say you know actually that was 100% him playing at this place on this yeah, which further which um, further adds to so that yeah, it adds to the mystery doesn't it yeah it adds to the mystery um, we also watched we also watched and Mark um, again you were talking about Nina Simone and, and again artists who know their self worth and people who are fighting they shouldn't have to fight battles, but fight, fighting uh, battles on different fronts. Mm. Um, and so we watched the um, the two killings of Sam Cooke. It's a good film, that, a good documentary as well. I've watched that one. Yeah, it's good. Which is, uh, uh, I mean, that that in itself was, was again the, the the things that he was trying to do. You know, it, it, it reminded me so much of it. Sam, you know, Sam Sam Cooke. You can see in both the the John Legends of the world musicality wise and also the Nipsey Hussles of we need to take back control of this and we're I'm planting seeds for, for, for big yeah. social change and, and, and again gone gone too soon which you can read into that what you what you want dear listener. Yeah it's it's a good documentary actually that one is another one that um, I would recommend to watch. Um, I mean, they've, they've got lots of them. But, um, I just picked out personal favourites. And also, I kind of picked out the ones that kind of um, refer to the show uh, because they're about people that we may talk about or there's a direct correlation to what we've spoken previous episodes. Um, one of my, my one of my favourite ones is uh, Who Killed Jam Master J? Uh, only because um, I love Run DMC and it's just quite an interesting story. Like it, it's a still an unsolved murder, just like the Tupac one, just like the Biggie one. But because at the time he wasn't as high profile. Um, an artist, like recording artist at the time that he died, um, it never got the same kind of coverage. But it is a very interesting documentary. Um, I also watched that one this weekend. I mean, that's one thing I'm going to praise Netflix about, is that by having Netflix and them having this astronomical amount of money, um, they're paying artists to be artists. And we have ended up with great shows um, from, say, like Afterlife from Ricky Gervais, 
Um, we've we've obviously got those brilliant Netflix specials of Dave Chappelle, who I love and adore. And then we get these brilliant music documentaries, which normally never used to see the light of day because there was no way for them to make money. No, but it's now, amazing. But, but na- now Netflix need content all the time. It gives an opportunity for these things to be made. So, um, again, I don't get paid by Netflix, but all stream- streaming services. Um, there's a brilliant one on Apple about the Beastie Boys. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's really, really good. Um, you should check that one out as well. Uh, on Prime, um, you said you watched one on Prime today, did you, Lee? We recently watched um, Harlem Street Singer, the Reverend Gary Davis story, which, again, is another... When when I, I think of my first world, very privileged um, life, you know, and, and me not knowing I was born, you know what I mean? He, 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 again, born in the Deep South, um, almost completely blind. Um, and if Robert Johnson went into a direction of, well, if people say it's a devil, um, play up that um, side of things. Um, Gary Davis went exactly <laughs> And I keep wanting to laugh because uh, as an 80s kid, there was a radio and DJ called Gary Davis. And um, I keep having the mental picture of him like two two very different Gary Davises. Um, the um, the Harlem Street singer, the Reverend Gary Davis story is about a man who who wanted to play blues music and, and, and so on and so forth. And he did it again with this almost supernatural ability because you listen to these records and it's a bit like people like the, the Django Reinhardt and people who come later on where you listen to this re- this record and you go oh who's the guy playing the second guitar accompanying him because he's really good too and then you realize when you watch the, the, the footage of him that it it's him playing um quote unquote both guitars like just just the dexterity um a very jazzy kind of kind of way of playing where um it, it's guitar as guitar and drum and piano chords and um, a gentleman who was nearly bl- nearly 100% blind um again going up in in these 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 times of the deep south where you can't overstate how horrific it was and like i say if robert johnson went to play on the whole well if this is the, if this is the devil's music fuck it i'm going to embrace that image um, and I use image in the loosest term possible. Um, the Gary Davis did it the other way around, and he he started to basically become a um, a blues and gospel um, singer who only used his music um, to to bring people to to you know what what he believed as as far as God and and, and so on and so forth. And again, the, as Mark was saying, um, like Bill Withers, um, Gary Davis was another one of these um, old Southern um, blues musicians. Um, but again, his his music was 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 blues meets jazz meets meets country meets folk, and because of it, a lot of different types of people, um, like the the, the very white fifties um, sixties folk crowd in 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 New York and and those types of areas, absolutely loved him, and because he he seemed to to to, to exude nothing but love of love of God and love of people and trying to to, to lead them to what he felt was the right way, you know he 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 people loved him for who he was and you know um but but an amazing artist and again you know folks you're gonna hit me over the head i didn't know of this gentleman until we were just looking up certain documentaries um you had people on there like um folk from the um, the grateful dead and 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 these these types of bands um i think taj mahal is on there keb mo bonnie Raitt. um but i might be mixing these up you know when you see certain documentaries and, and it's in a similar kind of genre and, and the people are on, are on both, so that might be the Robert Johnson documentary. But I think 
Listener, if I were you, I'd watch the Robert Johnson one first. Then I'd go over and watch on Amazon Prime Harlem Street Singer and see two black men from the South living through awful, awful things that you just beyond awful and see how one of them takes the black church and goes, sod that for a game of soldiers. And then the other one goes, no, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to be influenced by this and I'm going to do it my way. And um, two sides of the same co- same story as far as the, the country music and the folk music and the inspiring the, the rock music that came later, the Rolling Stones and so on and so forth. Um, three hours well spent. So, yeah, they're, they're all our documentaries that we've been talking to you about. So, yeah, check them out. Uh, something else that we're going to be doing in the, in the near future, which we've all kind of started doing already, is that we're going to be joined by a sneaker expert, uh, my personal friend, Ben Prekas. A big shout out to you. Uh, each month on our the beginning of the month on our episode, we're going to have a little chat just talking about the releases that have come out the month before and the ones coming out that month. Um, we feel like the fashion sneaker culture goes hand in hand with the music that we discuss. It's something that I'm passionate about. Um, so we're going to start doing that. So anybody that wants to get involved in that side of it as well, please do give us a shout, whether you're an independent, a store, uh, just a sneaker fan. Uh, get at us on our Instagram um, which is influenced music podcast. I'm going to sound like Alan Partridge and his ideas for um, TV shows. One of them being, uh, I believe, Monkey Tennis. Which, personally, <laughs> I would, as long as long as the animals weren't harmed, I would obviously sign up to watch Monkey Tennis. Please tell me it's called "I Know You Got Soul." Oh, here we go. Here we go. That's a good title. It is a good t- 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 title. Um, well, I'm not going to take it up. No. So basically, what we're going to do is just have a segment at the beginning of our um, podcasts. Uh, and just be putting up posts on our social media. Depending on the feedback, we might do a vlog for it as well. But we'll wait and see. But it's a good title. Um, Is it really? No, no. I just wanted to make you... I just didn't want to, you know... Sun's out, tongue's out? Yeah. <laughs> Although I might... I might do a gardening show. You know, I, um, I've got into my gardening. Fresh beets. Well, we haven't got any beets yet, but there's courgettes and cucumbers on their way, mate. Fresh beet roots, I mean, with the influence. I like it. I like it. Fresh beet roots. Uh, we're also looking for bands, producers, uh, music enthusiasts to be interviewed. Once again, if you've got anything that you want to throw our way to listen, to review, um, just to discuss, stuff friendly chat, uh, if you want to be on the show, just give us a shout. Best place to contact us on that. Instagram. Uh, our Instagram handle once again is Influenced Music Podcast. So uh, give us a shout. Um, actually, I recently put a post on there of my garden. So I hope you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's music, sneaker fashion, garden, it all goes hand in hand. The, the, the music Monty Don has spoken. Yeah, <laughs> And welcome to Gangsters Gardener's World. Uh, <laughs> So um, I hope you've been, uh, enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'll be coming back with... It won't be just me and Lee freestyling it. Um, it'll be more structured like our normal format. Once again, that format would be the show, the topic, and the accompanying playlist that you should check out uh, so you can hear what we've been discussing over the 40 minutes to an hour, whatever it may be. And we have got a special coming which will probably be done before the end of August, which will be our jazz timeline. And that will be uh, probably two shows of an hour long each show. Um, Or we might try and do it in one stint. Uh, That's really kind of what the show's 
uh, embodies is that musical timeline. So we're going to do one just about jazz, just like we'll do one just about hip hop. Uh, we're going to try and do one uh, about funk and soul and so on and so on. Uh, so we're just kind of building up a musical family tree, really. Um, if you have any requests of topics, shows, albums, or things you feel that we should talk about, again, get in touch. Uh, you can message us directly on Instagram. Um, I do personally reply to all the messages as quickly as I can, and we do get to all of them. None of them will get deleted, um, so you will get a response. Thank you very much for joining us for the show. Lee, thank you very much for participating. Thank you. It's bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening. We look forward to talking to you all again soon. Take care. Influence Music Podcast. We explore new music and making connections back to previous musical generations via panel debates, uh, conversations and interviews with artists, enthusiasts and media insiders. 